global risk asset markets continue to move wildly and trend lower as investors wrestle with the speed at which central banks are raising interest rates, and more importantly, with the speed at which the Federal Reserve is shocking markets with its multiple 75 basis point rate increases as economic growth grinds to a crawl globally. Last week, the Bank of England, in order to both defend the British pound and to stave off a pension liquidity crisis, made an emergency intervention announcing it would buy as much government debt as needed to restore stability to the currency and bond markets. In layman's terms, the UK central bank pivoted back to QE, quantitative easing. So that's three central banks back on the QE trail again. The UK, Japan, and Korea. 2022 has been no fun to investors outside of a few macro hedge funds. Still, we've seen a few of these moves by central bankers affecting currencies and financial markets like this in the past cycles. When you ask, stay tuned. I'm Chris Paris with Oak Harvest Financial Group in Houston, Texas, and welcome to our weekly Stock Talk podcast, keeping you connected to your money. Before we get into this week's topic, the Wayback Machine, 1994 Federal Reserve interest rate cycles in financial markets, please take a moment to click on the subscribe button and click on the notification bell so you'll be alerted when our team uploads our latest content. While Jerome Powell has repeatedly said the Fed and its committee are data dependent. We are now about halfway through the intermeeting period. Our decision at the September meeting will depend on the totality of the incoming data and the evolving outlook. The government data they review continues to show elevated and stubborn inflation. The Fed tends to rely on data collected by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which has historically lagged what is going on in the real-time economy by months and quarters, both on the way up and on the way down. Powell's words out of the September FOMC meeting were more hawkish than markets were expecting, much as Alan Greenspan's words were in 1994. The FOMC's talk suggests another 75 and 50 basis points in hikes this year, taking monetary policy into the very restrictive place. They've already raised rates three times in the last five months by 75 basis points each time. Checking out the chart of how fast the Fed is raising rates for its prior cycles in the previous 40 years, only Alan Greenspan in 1994 comes close. In fact, outside the end of the Volcker years in 1970s, the Fed has been raising short-term rates faster than any point in the last 70 years only 1994 comes close when they doubled interest rates by 300 basis points in only 12 months. Putting that into perspective, the pace of interest rate change is about the same but opposite direction as how fast the Fed cut rates in the wake of the great financial crisis in 2008. The notable comparison to 1994 led me to research what happened to the financial markets back then. So I went back to the Wayback Machine on the internet in Bloomberg and came up with this. Not surprisingly, both the path but not the magnitude of stocks and bonds year-to-date looks remarkably like 1994. 2022 is mirroring 1994 right down to the currency crisis now happening in Europe. Take a look at the chart of the S&P 500 throughout 1994, a period when Fed Chairman Alan Greenspan was preemptive to combat inflation, raising interest rates from 3 to 6% by the first quarter of 1995. This included his 75 basis point raise in November of 1994, which marked the peak in the Fed hawkishness for that cycle. The 75 basis point move didn't mark the peak in all Fed funds interest rate moves and its path to 6% in the first quarter of 1995, but it was the peak in momentum for them raising rates. As one can see by the chart, the stock market troughed and started heading higher at this point of peak hawkishness 
in the fourth quarter of 1994. The markets were already heading up and to the right well before Alan Greenspan pivoted to the notion of possibly cutting rates in the second half of 1995. The markets were most interested in the rate of change in monetary policy. When the Fed slowed, the market said, go. Whether that was because something in the financial markets broke back in the winter of 1994, no one can say for sure. Greenspan's tightening cycle sparked the Mexican currency crisis in December of 1994, nicknamed the tequila crisis. Are Chairman Powell's aggressive Fed actions and our current Fed policy doing the same now with the breaking of the British pound the last few months? Take a look at the year-to-date chart of the British pound. It has been trading like an emerging markets currency this year. Why does this happen, you might ask? Well, as the Fed increases U.S. interest rates, there is a reduction in capital flows into other foreign countries. Money finds its way back to the U.S. from foreign shores. As this happens, demand for dollars increases and demand for foreign currency declines. Investors find U.S. assets more attractive than offshore ones. Looking back again at the S&P 500 chart in 1994, one will see by the late fourth quarter, the S&P 500 had round tripped two years of gains, bringing it back to flat for the fourth quarter of 1992 through the fourth quarter of 1994. Likewise, this year, under the Fed's aggressive rate plan, the S&P 500 index has almost back to flat for two years in price and time. Just look at that chart. Unfortunately, this seems to be a very common theme when the Fed has been in an interest rate hiking cycle. That is, the S&P 500 round tripping most of its two-year gains before troughing and finding a move higher. Remember, these Federal Reserve monetary policies work with a lag both on the way up and the way down. The stimulative COVID responses in the second quarter of 2020 took six to nine months to work their way through the economy. That's even though the stock market had already anticipated its effects. Stocks moved broadly and sharply higher into the first quarter of 2021 in advance of the economic recovery. Small cap stocks and most cyclical groups led the first nine months of the COVID recovery. Likewise, the broad stock markets have moved down throughout 2022 in front of the Fed's monetary policy tightening in its economic effects. The worst performing groups year to date have been cyclical stocks that first led the move up in the second half of 2020. They're the ones that retrospectively had the earliest and most significant demand boost and pull forward in sales. In 2022, most of these same groups have anticipated slow to negative economic growth in the first half of 2022 against near impossible comparable sales in the first half of 2021. Our Fed is taking the current inflation problem deathly seriously with these 75 basis point rate hikes, trying to make sure inflation doesn't become a fixture in our future economy, one where consumers and businesses expect prices to rise in the future. The real-time markets see inflation fears and risks subsiding. Take a look at a chart of real-time two-year inflation break-even expectations for the last 10 years. As you can see, it peaked at near 5% in March and has come crashing back down below 2% in the last six months, back into its historic range for the last 10 years. Unfortunately, asset investors are afraid the Fed still doesn't care about this real-time data and is set on a path of causing a recession to meet their inflation-fighting goals. The main cause for the broad downturn across all assets, including commodities year-to-date, isn't the market's expectation of higher inflation, but rather higher real interest rate yields, the second component of interest rates. Does the Fed want to throw our economy into recession to tame inflation? Inflation? 
that by all accounts, they created much of by staying too easy with their own monetary policies in 2021. And parts of inflation they don't control, like commodities and energy prices, are already falling fast. Those are out of their control? I don't know. That seems draconian to me, but I don't run the Federal Reserve. Unfortunately, the Fed is still focusing on slower BLS data series. What I do believe is that as soon as the markets feel that the Fed sees the pace of inflation slowing, which points towards the fourth quarter of 2022 in the BLS data, this will likely lead to a collective exhale of relief by investors across stocks, bonds, commodities, and real estate, and a retreat in market volatility around most asset classes. Much as we saw from mid-June through mid-August, a collective exhale would likely cause a collapsing of future volatility expectations, calmer markets, and a significant upward rally in stocks. Investor sentiment is now bordering on somber. The investor sentiment data, regardless of how it's measured, is almost universally at lows not seen since the dot-com bubble burst or the great financial crisis lows. The impacts from recent Fed rate hikes are being quickly passed on to the financial markets and other markets such as housing markets, and other credit markets, such as junk bonds. Unfortunately, areas of the economy that Fed is watching, such as jobs and wages, have yet to really feel the full impact of those aggressive rate hikes. Viewers, they will be impacted. As the Fed says, monetary policy actions tend to influence economic activity, employment, and prices with a long and variable lag. Since Jackson Hole, the Fed has been using harsh rhetoric and forward guidance because they know it can affect immediately financial markets, and the economy without a lag. Unfortunately, that brings about higher market volatility that few longer-term investors who are not traders enjoy. When will this downturn in stocks end? No one knows for sure. But it has historically happened during periods of max pessimism in months, if not quarters, before the data gets better and people call the coast is clear. Two data series to watch for an early indication that things are turning positively. A peak in the US dollar, and a peaking in real interest rates. To put the importance of the dollar in perspective, here's a chart of the dollar from All-Star Charts showing the dollar versus its own volatility. Recall that extreme volatility in both directions, up and down, is commonly found near inflection points. The last time the US dollar index had a single day gain as large as Friday, September 23rd, was on March 19th, 2020. And the last time the US dollar index had a single day loss, as large as Wednesday, September 28th, was on March 26th, 2020. That was into the COVID bottom in the first quarter of 2020. The dollar index DXY peaked on March 20th, 2020. Stocks bottomed the next week. Is the dollar trying to tell us the downturn is nearly complete? I don't know, time will tell, but it is a hopeful indicator behind the scenes. Unlike the data the Fed is watching, market inflation expectations look to have already peaked months ago. However, the markets are still waiting in an uncertainty mode until the Fed slows its pace. If the ongoing market volatility is making you feel uneasy, give us a call and schedule a meeting with an Oak Harvest Advisor. Our team does have insurance-based tools that don't have the volatility of public equity markets. However, we have to remind you that these investments may also lower your longer-term expected returns. At Oak Harvest, we think our clients are best served by us helping them plan for their future needs instead of focusing on the past. The future and stock markets are always uncertain, and that's why our retirement planning teams plan for your retirement needs first and your greed second. Give us a call to speak to an advisor and let us help you craft a financial plan 
that helps you meet your retirement goals. Call us here in Houston at 877-896-0040 and schedule an advisor consultation. The first one is free. We're here to help you on your financial journey into and through your retirement years. I'm Chris Paris, and from the whole team here at Oak Harvest, have a blessed weekend. All content contained within Oak Harvest Podcast expresses the views of the speaker and is for informational purposes only. It is based on information believed to be reliable when created, but any cited data, indicators, statistics, or other sources are not guaranteed. The views and opinions expressed herein may change without notice. Strategies and ideas discussed may not be right for you, and nothing in this podcast should be considered as personalized investment, tax or legal advice, or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell securities. Indexes such as the S&P 500 are not available for direct investment and your investment results may differ when compared to an index. Specific portfolio actions or strategies discussed will not apply to all client portfolios. Investing involves the risk of loss and past performance is not indicative of future results.